after sort of three o'clock that it is because <laughs> I've usually done everything and instead of incentivizing my manager to give me more work I just go and play Madden excellent well that was recorded yeah. so uh, Sam if you're listening to that you know why Tom doesn't do anything <laughs> he knows that I do things I've definitely done all my work okay let's, let's leave it for the courts to discuss how are you doing Ed I'm doing all right Thomas um I've got a little office set up uh it's, yeah yeah it's pretty rad it's got um it's got my dungy uh, photograph, nice framed photograph. Uh, it's got four guitars in like a room, which is like not big. Yeah, I've seen your music room, and it, it's it's not big. If you call it a music room, I sound like such an egotist. So from now on, we'll be referring to it as my studio. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> my music room. Somehow worse. Well, yeah. this is this is definitely going to be an interesting episode. Um, obviously, it's just the two of us today. Virgin territory, yeah. Um, Emma and Beth and Sam are fine. They're just not present because they're not draft nicks in the same way that Tom and I are. So we thought we'd do this podcast just the two of us. Uh, like Phil and Phil, just the two of... Wait, no, it was Bill Withers, wasn't it? Who made just the two of us. I think we'll Phil and Phil made Easy Lover, didn't they? Yeah. They may have done, yeah. I think that we can call ourselves Phil and Phil. I'd like to, so. I'd like to make but an alternative. Yeah. Can we be right side Fred? Um, no, because there was a manager at Capita that I only know is right, said Fred, and he was a creep. Right, okay. We'll, we'll steer clear of that then. Um, we'll come up with other duos at a random interval during this mock draft. The way that we got this draft underway is that Tom took the odd picks and I took the even picks to take any sort of, um, and any allegiance out of it and we picked from the players available. It's also worth prefacing that this happened before any trades may or may not have happened. Um, of course, this episode will be going out in a in a few hours before the draft is actually open, but it was recorded sort of six or seven hours before the actual draft took place. So anything that happens after then, we've got no idea about. That's right. And by the way, we're not pissing about sort of like mock draft 3.7 or mock draft 18.1. Yeah. This is mock draft 1.0. Yeah, and we we are making it the definitive version. There is no other mock draft from Stifflepullet. You get what you're given, and you bloody like it. Hello, and welcome to Stifflepullet, the NFL podcast by Brit, with me, Ed Wilkins. Me, Emma Hebron. Me, Sam Wong. Me, Tom Chappell. Excellent. Lovely. And without further ado, do you want to put the Bengals on the clock? You have, uh, let's give you a minute and a half. I feel like we need a sound effect of some variety bit. Um, uh, so the Bengals are now on the clock and here come the boos. I'm not joining in. No, I just mean Roger Goodell's oh, approaching the podium because the... <laughs> <laughs> the Bengals have their selection. Mel Kuyper has, has sat down in his chair. Everyone knew what was coming. With the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. That's that's the silence of everyone going, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that makes sense. <laughs> 
wow, they did the thing we expected. Mm-hmm. So for the cave dwellers among our listeners, and they number plenty among the few of you, um, Tom, do you want to explain a little bit who Joe Burrow is? So Joe Burrow is one of the most exciting quarterback talents that's come out of the draft in, in quite some time. Uh, he, for example, threw basically the best season in NCAA, uh, NCAA football history by absolutely torching every single defense out there and then they won the championship and he smoked a cigar in the dressing room and the and the picture went viral it will be going up with this episode's premium uh promo so there you go there we go yes so um through 60 touchdowns and won the heisman uh, you've you've done more information digging than i have <laughs> <laughs> he's a hometown guy as well he's from He's an Ohio native, so going to the Bengals makes complete sense. Except when he sort of came out in the press a few days earlier to the draft and said that he probably didn't want to get selected by a team that didn't want to win, basically saying Bengals maybe don't pick me. But, you know, they did what they wanted to do and and Burrow's just going to have to like it and lump it because Dalton's gone. They need a guy. Has Dalton gone? Uh, Well, yes and no. He's... He's still he's still there, but he's probably gonna he's not probably gonna get at least shoved into backup role. But okay. yeah, so he's I got one year left of his deal. Who are you representing, Ed? Um, today I am the GM of the Washington Redskins. It's it's not an enviable task. This one. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna defy convention here, and I'm gonna pick player who I think makes the most sense to the Washington Redskins, and that's uh, Jeff Okuda, the cornerback out of Ohio State. Do you want to say why, again for the cave dwellers, why this is going against the grain? Um, the general consensus is that the best player in the draft this year is JC Uh He's a, he's an edge rusher from the same university, Ohio State, but the reason that I've gone for Jeff Okuda over Chase Young is the fact that Jeff Okuda is an absolutely elite prospect of one of the best cornerback prospects we've seen, maybe the best one since Patrick Peterson. Um, certainly the one that's one of the only ones that can be drafted as high. But I think the thing that really sets him apart is the fact that he is the perfect man for this Washington defence. They've got a strong D-line. They've traded away Quinton Dunbar in the offseason and they have no one. I couldn't name a Washington Redskins cornerback right now. So they they pick an elite, sorry, an elite player at a position of need. And I like this pick. I like this pick for several reasons, and basically all of them have been listed. But also, um, I just like people going against the grain on occasion. I'm quite a contrarian, and I guess so are you, Ed. <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be a few eyebrows raised. Yeah, because when we were picking, like there were several names later on down the list that caught you off guard, that's for sure. Caught me off guard. <laughs> and... Uh, I even ended up re-picking some of your potential picks, but we'll get onto that later. But yeah, Jeff Okuda to the Redskins, cornerback, good pick. Tom, I think you're on the board again, playing as the uh, the Lions this time. I, I am, and I actually quite like the Detroit Lions. Um, I hate that I do like them because I know far too many people that support them, but I actually quite like them, just as a complete underdog franchise. But this is where they turn it around. And with the third pick, they take Chase Young, edge rusher, purely because he was still there. Don't think they were expecting the Redskins to leave him there. They probably wanted Okuda because they were expecting them to take 
him in number two. But they're going to take him anyway because they need some edge pressure. So that's where they've gone. Mm-hmm. And the last um, the last three players drafted in the first round, sorry, the last three defensive ends that were drafted in the first round by Ohio State. Tom, can you name them? Um, this no. is uh, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, and your own Cam Hayward. Wow. Nice. Um, so he is in rarefied Did not know any of that. <laughs> it's almost like, Tom, you haven't meticulously done your research. You you count on me to meticulously do anything. I'm, I'm a man up, of casual taste. Barking up the wrong Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> My head just went, name a tree. Name a tree. <laughs> it is an Aspen place in Colorado. It is, yeah. It's where the people go skiing. Yeah. It's also a tree type. Did not know that. There we yeah. go. Okay, with, so with the fourth yep. selection... The Giants pick the player who's my favourite player in the draft this year, Isaiah Simmons, the sort of linebacker safety hybrid. I think that in a defence that's almost bereft of playmakers, what what they want is just a guy who can go in and be the best at something. And his versatility and his speed, especially his closing speed, whether it's tackling or in coverage, makes him one of the best prospects I've seen in a long, long time. It's a linebacker out of Clemson. Yep. Uh, the other thing about the Isaiah Simmons pick is that um, obviously he isn't the guy that most people are expecting for the Giants. And I think that to take a sort of risky move and go for a guy that will show up the defense on, on every aspect, I think is a smart one. Because going O-line in this draft, you never know. There'll be players that fall to the second round and they can easily scoop them up there. So I think I think that going Simmons in the fourth is a, is a good pick. For the for the Giants, yeah, and just to preface that again by saying that we didn't include trades in this mock draft, and it may well be that the Giants sort of trade down and get a tackle around the sort of tenth spot. Yeah, um, you project one of those names of, to still be on there. Yeah, I mean, we got quite a lot of. Well, we got f- three tackles within four spaces uh, of this further on, but we move ahead to number five where the Dolphins are now on the clock and they've been kicking up a storm. Tank for Tua took place. They also traded a crap ton of picks, uh, players for picks. And they got him. Tua Tango Vailoa falls to the number five. And there he is going to Miami. And uh, let's see whether or not he can stay healthy. I know that his hip healed well. That's probably what caused him to fall from the top spot to the five, especially with Joe Burrow throwing the record-breaking year that he did, but Tua Tungavailoa, left-handed quarterback as well, obviously, a bit of an, a bit of an interesting one. Um, I think that the Dolphins make the smart move here, but there is talk about them potentially trading up into that giant spot and taking an, an offensive tackle, so what do we know about, about NFL drafts at this point? Yeah, I mean, what I would say to that is if if you pick in and you franchise QBs on the board and take him every time, it's whether yeah. it's whether if they stay where they are at five, whether someone trades up ahead of them to get to her, I see that as a likelihood. There's a few sort of quarterback needy teams in there. You've got your uh, especially the Jaguars at number nine, I think they could be tempted to trade up if um, neither of the Chargers or the Dolphins show any signs that they're gonna sort of trade up with the um the Giants or the Lions. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of uh, talk as well that Tua could have fallen to the to the Patriots, but I just don't see it happening. They're too far down the board. There are too many quarterback needy teams, like you say, the Jags, 
the I mean, the Raiders are potentially looking to move on from Derek Carr. They could have been a, a guy. Also, the Dolphins have another pick in, in pick 18. So regardless of whether or not they took him at five or not, he wasn't going to fall that far, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? I mean, if the Patriots like him, I, they'd be one of the teams that I would consider mortgaging the farm to get him because they'll get the best out of him. There's no question. Yeah. And you don't really want Brian Hoyer to be your quarterback going into a big transitional year. You want to be building around someone new that's for sure that's right yeah and speaking of building Uh, building around someone new with pick number six the Chargers pick the third quarterback in six picks and they go for Justin Herbert the quarterback out of Oregon um now a lot of people are actually saying that this guy has similarities to Marcus Mariota and he's a good good downfield passer good thrower but he perhaps lacks the sort of natural leadership and the, um, the personality and the intangibles that um, a lot of the great quarterbacks have. Uh, and that is a sort of red mark against what is a very good athlete and a very good passer. But I think that um, the same traits that you sometimes see in Mariota, where he's a little bit conservative, I think we see that in Justin Herbert a little bit, which is why he's not challenging for him or to Vailoa for being the top two quarterbacks in the draft for me. But that said, I think he still go high. And I think the court, uh, so the Chargers can sort of take a year, sit in behind Tyron if necessary, just let him learn the system, learn how things are in an NFL system, the way that perhaps Tua and Joe Burrow, they won't get that opportunity. So in a year, a couple of years from now, we could be saying this is the next, well, I mean, the blueprint's there for like you pack yeah. homes is sit for a year, learn the offense. You know, I, I think whether he gets a lot of playing time at the start of the year, I won't say. I think he's a developmental prospect, even as high as number six. But I think they'd be mad to pass on him, given the fact that they've only got Tyrod. I do feel slightly sorry for Tyrod Taylor because he he is a serviceable quarterback in the league. Not exactly going to win you many many games down the stretch, but he's serviceable and he, he keeps ending up in these situations where guys will take a rookie and bring Tyrod in to show them how to do his job. And then ship him out within sort of four or five weeks, like what happened in Cleveland and, and Buffalo as well. So, yeah, you, you do sort of find that he's basically the perennial, we're going to replace you, but you're going to teach our guy to replace you, man. It's um, paychecks, isn't he? I mean, he gets paid more than me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pity Tyrone. Well, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, I'm especially not going to pity him to the point where I pronounce his name right. Um, so, I mean, I have Justin Herbert down as my potential bust of this draft, and I don't really, un- I don't really know why I do. I just think he's not quite got that same, like you say, the leadership skills. I don't think he's got, he's got that right temperament in there to really sort of lead a team and and be a franchise guy. I see him sort of in four years being in the same position as sort of Ryan Tannehill was, where not really wanted in, in the city that he's in and, and being able to test free agency or maybe even trade it out somewhere. Um, but I think that the Chargers definitely needed someone fresh. So That's right. That's right. Shall we move on? Pick number seven, Thomas. Yeah, so the Panthers are on the clock here and they are going to take... In an unorthodox manner, they're going to take a wide receiver. They're going to take C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, who many people are saying is the best wide receiver on the on the board. And I think the reason why the Panthers go here is because 
they've got Teddy Bridgewater in. They are starting to build with Joe Judge, their new head coach. They want to restart from scratch. And what better to do than give Teddy Bridgewater some options, not have to rely on CMC uh, taking sort of 98% of all snaps because he's the only guy on the field that can actually do anything on offense. I think that they give them some options and CD Lamb is definitely that option. So I had them taking him. Uh, could have potentially gone D-line, but I felt that they already had sort of strength in, in positions there. They can definitely also go for linebackers in later on in the draft because there are a few guys still there, but um wide receiver was definitely the area of need for them as well and one that most people aren't really talking about as such for the panthers well this is the thing because they do have dj moore and Kerr samuel there but neither of those guys have really stepped it up so just for the record when tom told me this pick i think my eyes bulged out of my head but then the more i sort of thought about it the more i was like yeah the panthers could go for a wide receiver here i mean tom's exactly right they pick someone like teddy up it means that they they just want to spread the ball around. That's what Teddy's good at. I think that Joe Judge as well is is he's he's a guy that I think likes a spread offense. And and if you give him more options and and give him well, what I would consider the best wide receiver in the draft. I know that you are going to make a point about that. Um, it gives him more spread, basically. Initially, no response was wow, but then yeah, I see this pick totally, and I think the Panthers would be wise to take wise to make this move, even if that does leave them perhaps because I feel there might be a deficiency on the D-line but there'll still be um, sort of strong D-tackles at the start of the second round. And given that as well they, they get the sort of fifth pick in the second round as well they've, they've got an even better scope to maybe take one of those D-tackles or maybe a linebacker that's still left on the board like you don't know who's going to be left um, I think that you get the best player available to you. That's right, that's right Pick eight? Yeah and it's the Arizona Cardinals, Ed. That's right. Now, before this draft, I would have said wide receiver, but they got DeAndre Hopkins, so that's sort of blown out of the water. Um, the the defining need for me for the Cardinals is to protect Kyler Murray. Um, I think he showed that what he could do behind minimal protection was excellent. So, I'm really excited when they pick up um, Jedrick Wills, tackle from... Uh, Alabama. He was the right tackle for Tua, but he was because Tua's left-handed, he's playing the blind side. So I think he'll be able to transition to left tackle or play at right tackle, depending on how the Cardinals want to deploy him. Um, I think he's the most assured pass blocker in the draft, which makes total sense for the Cardinals. I think it's a win-win pick. Yeah, I'd agree with that totally as well, especially when you factor in that the the Cardinals had one of the sort of uh, most Swiss cheese lines in the league last year and it was definitely one of the reasons why they could never really get that air raid offense going and it's because guys were getting to them too often you sort of look at the the games that they they lost it was always against sort of rush heavy teams and when you're in a division that's got sort of Aaron Donald in it you want to at least protect him from from yeah. some kind of pressure and they needed stuff like that, and and I I think that I think that Jedrick Wills Junior is a good pick. Um, what about yeah. number nine, Tom? Be, be everyone's favorite team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the Jags need a lot of work, uh, and I have them replacing Calais Campbell with the uh, 
very solid Auburn D tackle. Uh, Derek Brown, um, five star recruit from high school. He basically based onto the scene and absolutely smashed it. But his 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 measurables are what's impressive for me. I mean, he he will stop the run, and and the Jags were the worst run defense in the entire league last year. They need someone to step into those big shoes uh, that Calais Campbell is going to leave behind. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with getting Derek Brown here. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's where I've gone. I mean, my professional comparison is um, someone like Vita Vea. I think that everyone was a bit like, oh, why'd they pick this guy when the Bucks got him a couple of years ago? But yeah, he that Bucks run defense, he couldn't run on them last year. And a main part of that was because they had an enormous presence in that would just maul you at the point of attack. And that's what the Jags don't have, and that's what they desperately need. So I think this is definitely a win for the Jags. I think I'm surprised that he's still on the board at number nine, but I think that it's an absolute steal for them. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and I mean, there'll be there'll definitely be teams above them looking at it and thinking oh, we we definitely could have gone there. But there's so much talent in this year's draft. I, I think that we will see sort of guys that could have been top five talents in any other year fall into sort of your nines, your twelves, um, and your tens as we lead to Ed. Yeah, well, I mean, this guy is a top five. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, the off-tackle out of uh, Iowa, goes to the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think the Browns are absolutely desperate for help on the O-line. I think um, Wirfs can play at guard, he can play at tackle. I think that versatility is going to help. Um, obviously, Stefanski is the uh, head coach, so they're going to implement a more run-heavy play-action system. I think that Tristan Wirfs is your your man for that because he's dominant in the run game. This, this yeah, he'll also out, help so. out Nick Chubb as well. Yeah, that's right. Because I think that Nick Chubb was playing lights out football without the benefit of a stronger line to protect him. Yeah, exactly. I I think with with this pick, he puts the rest of the AFC North on on notice. I really do. I think the Browns aren't perfect, but I think protecting them, protecting Baker, and opening up running lanes is gonna it's gonna worry teams like the uh, the Ravens mm. and perhaps the Steelers as well. Tom. I mean. They definitely needed help on on the tackle side of things because the Browns got mauled last year by TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. I mean, in fairness, who didn't last year when the pair of them popped off? But if you give them more help on the outside of that O-line, it, it, it definitely allows them to allow Mayfield to cork off sort of deeper shots. And I think that the team that will probably be most worried about this will be the Bengals, who don't really have much of an edge presence at the moment. They've got interior guys like Geno Atkins and DJ Reader, but their outside guys, Carl Lawson and Carlos Dunlap, aren't quite that same tier as you sort of Matthew Judons of the Ravens. No, I think yes, that yeah. this pick definitely worries them more than anyone in the AFC North. <laughs> it worries them more, but it worries everyone. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do a um, a plug just because we've not plugged anything in a while? What are we plugging? Just the website, perhaps. Just, just all us. right. Um, yeah. Are you uh, write some articles. Yeah. So at the moment, right now, I'm currently doing a research piece that I sort of said that I was going to do in the pilot of this very podcast. Uh, <laughs> That's where, a while ago. <laughs> where I am actually making the Dalton scale. 
I'm I'm How I'm doing it. I've changed the rules slightly, so it's not from 2001. It's from 2005, um, because 2001 would have been just a bit too much of a stretch. But we get to see yeah. the rise and fall of Aaron Rodgers, for example. Microsoft but, Excel is doing fucking overtime. Yeah, exactly. The amount of data that's going to go on this spreadsheet by the time that this is done, mental. But yeah, so I'll be I'll be creating that graph and then writing about that just think of the names that are going to be on that graph oh my god yeah. I mean I've already seen some some quality names I mean from literally the season before last so we're gonna you're gonna have Pat Castle on there oh my god um, <laughs> I mean obviously Brock Osweiler is yeah. gonna be on there stinking it up Blaine Gabbert of course Matt Hasselbeck Ryan Leaf oh my god Ryan Leaf <laughs> how, could I, how could we forget I'm gonna have like latter year Peyton Manning on there <laughs> It's gonna be lit. Yeah. Um, so Never we get say to that again. <laughs> we get to see just all of everything that's Andy Dalton, and you can read that on http colon forward slash forward slash www.stiffupperliphod.com. Nailed it. it. Thanks. Yes. From Is our this... lips to your ears. Yeah. No. Forward <laughs> slash <laughs> blogs. Is, is where that lies. I think it's just blog. Is it blog? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Forward slash blog. <laughs> so if you want that you again. You say that word so weird. Blog. blog. <laughs> Why does it have blog. so many syllables? <laughs> it only has blog. Two. <laughs> blog um, is a one syllable word. <laughs> blog. <laughs> Alright, Tom. Um, um, and Tom. Um, yeah, another another guy that's on the O uh, line. The Jets desperately need some way to keep Sam Darnold upright and to get Le'Veon Bell moving. So they're going to take uh, Mecky Beckton, the offensive tackle. And again, it's just another another solid pick that that puts teams on the AFC East on notice because they aren't going to be able to get to Darnold quite as often as they would like. And I personally think that, I mean, Mecky Beckton's, again, measurables are ridiculous. Um, and I think that the Jets just needed a big, tough, no-nonsense, quick guy on the O-line to just burst holes. And I think that that's what Mecky Beckton could easily be for them if Adam Gase does things right. Yeah. That's the only other question. I think his speed and size put him in the 99th percentile of all linemen. His technique is very raw, but that can be coached. So, I mean, I'm hopeful the Jets have picked a player because he could be the best player in this draft class. Like, this guy could be a Hall of Famer. He has all all of the physical traits to be that way. It's just about coaching. And by the way, it's Mackay Beckton. I haven't actually heard any of these people's names being said out loud, so you're <laughs> going to have to... Give me a hand on some of the pronunciations, that's for sure. I oh, will. Well, um, next... Uh, you can run overall. like the wind. <laughs> it's uh, next 12th overall. We've got uh, the Raiders selecting... Uh, Jerry Giordi. Uh, Is Jerry that how you pronounce his name? No, it's Jerry Judy. Um, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Um I've got to say, I think Jerry Judy is the best wide receiver in this draft class. I understand why Tom says C.D. Lamb. But for me, Jerry Judy's with the route running, one of the greatest prospects we've ever seen as a route runner. You sort of think about your Larry Fitz's maybe. I know I know that's a mad 
comparison, but I think I think it's justified. Um, brilliant with the ball in his hands, brilliant at finding spaces in zone defence. So that's his mo, and that's what the Raiders need. Another sure target that means that that sort of that West Coast offense is just going to keep ticking over, keep generating ten yards. I think that um, I think he's the perfect pick, and again, I think it's mad they're still on the board given how highly I rate him. Have you got any more to add on Jerry Judy? <laughs> Judy? No, that's it for my Judiness. Yep. Um, so with the 13th pick of the 2020 NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, go with Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle. And I know when I sort of said this pick to Ed, he he didn't he didn't really see what the what the point of it was, but the the Niners get this pick from trading DeForest Buckner, who was dominant in all forms of basically causing havoc in in all regards of anyone else's offense, and they traded him away because, well, he had a bit of a few concerns with injury, and I think that they wanted a bit of a fresh start and. They needed someone else to come in and basically do his role. And Javon Kinlaw is a is a match for well pound for pound replacement. Really um, lacks that experience that Buckner will have had. But I think they needed to get someone in to do his role in the same level. Um, and with how deep the wide receivers are in this class, I think that they could totally. Uh, sit back on on those and maybe wait for the second or third rounds and and pick a guy there. They needed a guy to to be that monster on the D line on the inside of it, and and Javon Kinlaw was my guy. Yeah, I think what you're saying makes total and complete sense. Um, I can understand why the the Forty Niners, when you consider that they had five first round picks on their own line, oh, sorry, on their D line. I can see why they had to get rid of Butler, but clearly it was a winning formula, so get another one. Yeah, you can't really say more than that was one of the most dominant defensive fronts I've ever seen, and with Javon Kinlaw, it's going to stay that way. Books. Well, protecting Tom Brady is the name of the game, and I see a lot of people actually having the books take another wide receiver here, but I don't see it. I think protecting Tom Brady's blind side is everything. Uh, especially now he's not particularly mobile in the pocket. So I've gone for Andrew Thomas, the off-tackle out of Georgia. Uh, he's a known left tackle, uh, good in the pass. Needs to work on his game in the run. But still a very, very solid and dependable player. I've seen a lot of people, because of his familiarity with the left tackle, meaning that he goes higher than those other guys because of the value associated with a left over a right. Personally, I think probably the fifth best O-lineman, but still going in the top 15 picks because of how stacked this class is. I I do agree that keeping Tom Brady up and up, up, well, up on his feet is important, especially now that he's got Gronk there and wide receiver wasn't a position of need for them. They had Mike Evans, who's, in my opinion, a top five wide receiver, and Chris Godwin, who's a top 10. It's pointless getting another guy in. Um, or not pointless, but... They they don't need help there. The two positions I thought were either O line or secondary, and yeah, I think O line they're gonna go they're gonna go ham on offense. It's gonna be a fun year to be a Bucks fan. Um, so I like this pick. 
I like the pick of getting Andrew Thomas in. Um, also creates holes in the in the run game as well. So maybe we'll see sort of Ronald Jones going for actual rushing yards and and stuff like that. I don't I don't have a problem with it. It's a good pick. Do you want to move on to the uh, the Broncos? Yeah. So this is a pick that basically will put the entire AFC West on a bit of notice. Um, if Drew Locke is going to be their guy, and Cortland Sutton is another sort of top 10, maybe top 8, top 6 wide receiver. He probably needs some guy to step in as his second guy. And that's where Henry Ruggs out of Alabama steps in. 15th pick of the draft. Could have easily been another top 5 in another year. Um The wide receiver class this year is, is like the running back class of 2017 and, and this guy is the CMC of that of that class for me. Absolutely rapid. Will play in the slot if need be, but he basically has some of the best hands out of college. And it definitely helped him having to a tongue of Ilo throwing the ball to him. But he just makes plays. He makes plays, gets rack yards on the big. I think that it's a perfect move and and whew, that Broncos offense could be important next year. No, I think we do need to, just need to point out his four-yard time. You know, he did a, he ran a four point two, which is the, uh, fast, the fastest we've seen since John Brown. Yeah, I didn't know that, and that makes this pick even more scary. Uh, good, good one, Denver. Nice work. Yeah, when you consider that thin air at mile height as well. <laughs> Seventy-yard bombs to Henry Ruggs on the on the fly. Yeah, I think. Yikes. Think Tyreek Hill without all the evil. <laughs> okay, so we're we're at pick sixteen now. We're halfway through. Should we should we crank up the speed a little? Yeah, let's go for it. I think that we definitely need to get through this. Yeah. So with the, with the sixteenth pick, the uh, Falcons select the edge rusher AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. Um, I think that he's the kind of guy. That perhaps doesn't have the um, doesn't have the measurables. Isn't a crazy athlete in compared to these other guys, but he's always got production because his technique is perfect. And I think that's what the um, that's what the Falcons would see in him. I think he's the kind of guy you could play inside or outside. I think he doesn't come off the field. And the kind of guy that could complement Grady Jarrett and uh, turn that off that defense from something very 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 underwhelming into something. Put it this way: if he gets ten sacks. A season, he's going to be their highest sack toller. It's not a perfect situation for him to go into because because of how underhanded they are on that line. But I think that he could be the guy that starts to turn around the fortunes for um, Atlanta. I know they said Arizona, Atlanta. Yeah, uh, he'll definitely again just create havoc. They need someone that will do that. Um, so I like that pick with the seventeenth pick, the Dallas Cowboys. Select Justin Jefferson from LSU. Uh, this begins sort of a streak of several LSU players being picked. Not to say that this draft isn't LSU heavy anyway, but yeah, Justin Jefferson just gives them another option on on wide receiver points. Uh, they've got Amari Cooper as the definite wide receiver one. They've got Ezekiel Elliott as their running back. Dak Prescott needs all the help he can get. Um, I don't think that this is a bad shout to go wide receiver uh, in this one. They they just seem like a team that needed coaching more than actual players at this point, and just adding another skill position player doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world. 
especially when they're going to get a new head coach that isn't Jason Garrett. That's right, yeah. Times are changing in Dallas, and I think that someone, I don't know, like Justin Jefferson, who represents that new school, he's a very much a slot receiver. I think he fills a need for them, and I think that he sort of represents looking forward. I think that if they want to go with more wide receiver sets, they can bring him on. So that's a modern a modern way to run an offense. I think he's the kind of guy that gets open underneath and wins yards after the catch. I think he's a great pick at 17. Yeah. Um, do you want to crack on with pick sure, number yeah. 18? So I think at pick number 18, um, what's the open strength, Tom? And granted, they haven't got many. Secondary at the moment. Mm-hmm. Let's beef that secondary up even more. So with the 18th pick, I uh, I give the Dolphins Xavier McKinney for safety. I think that they have potentially the best cornerback duo in the NFL, actually, with uh, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Let's give them, the, in my opinion, the best safety in the draft. Uh, maybe Antoine Winfield, but we'll go with Xavier McKinney because he's a bit more polished. I think he suits them. I think he's the foundation for what Brian Flores wants to do in down in Miami. I think he he goes to them and they immediately become a team that you can't pass on. Yeah, and with sort of these unpolished raw court, uh, quarterbacks that are now in the AFC East with the with Donalds entering your third year, uh, second year, sorry. Um, it is third year. You've got Josh Allen. Third year even, yeah. Wow. Uh, Josh Allen also entering third year. I think that making it harder to get balls over the top, especially for the Bills, for example, will be a great asset for the Dolphins. And I think that this is a good pick, a really good pick for them. Um, And moving on is possibly the most egregious pick. I must admit that I was sort of thinking based off of, of... who was the best player available rather than position of need? Because while it, it did get pointed out to me that it the Raiders are stacked at linebacker, I had them taking Patrick Queen, another off-ball linebacker. He can sort of play that hybrid role. Um, I sort of like to think of him as a little bit of a Isaiah Simmons light. I think he's going to be one of those people that in the future will sort of be looked at and and he will have revitalized the the Raiders as part of Mike Mayock's thing. That being said, uh, as I pointed out to Ed, Mike Mayock's probably got a fullback from like Miami of Ohio lined up that nobody else has looked at. And they'll pick him and he'll, Im- uh, he'll immediately be the Joe Green of, of Las Vegas. So it was a bit pointless picking the Raiders picks here. Uh, Mike Mayock will pick very well. And I trust him to do that very, very much so. Yeah, agreed. I do think Queen was certainly one of the best players available at the position. I I think that in terms of off-the-ball linebackers, in terms of that player, he can play as part of a 3-4, he can play as part of a 4-3, he can play as part of a hybrid scheme. I think he's certainly an upgrade on who the uh, the Raiders had last year. I think it'll be an interesting competition. I think that whichever way you look at it, one of those guys maybe isn't going to make it onto the first team where you've got Nick Wojcicki, you've got Corey Littleton, you've got, in this situation, Patrick Queen. I think all of those guys can be starters on another team. So what we're seeing is a real strength from uh, starting to be developed in the front seven for the Raiders. So with the 20th pick, um, I select CJ Henderson, the cornerback for the Jags. 
I think that cornerback is a huge need when you consider trading away AJ Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. CJ Henderson's the second best cornerback in the draft. Again, he's another guy you could be talking about a top ten talent. I um, I had absolutely no qualms with the Jags taking it here. Um, I think that significant investment in all areas of the ball is needed for them. But let's go with a position where it really shows if you don't have a good cornerback. Yeah. With the next pick, uh, the Eagles are furious because they were looking at CJ Henderson falling down the board and they were thinking, damn, we're going to be able to improve that secondary. So they're going to have to go for the next best guy in their books. And that's Grant Delpit, again from LSU, uh, safety. Sort of being a successor to Malcolm Jenkins. Um, there's talks that maybe they'd reach here with this one because... A lot of people are putting Grant Delpit being in the second round because he's he's sort of a little bit raw on his tackling, um, bit wiry for for a safety. But his coverage ability and his ability to actually help in the run game as well uh, will be huge for the Eagles. And I think I think that his his coverage skills had been needed. They needed a little bit of something on that secondary. It was definitely their worst position. Uh, by a long shot. Um, I mean, you saw... Mm, receiver was more down to injuries. Secondary was down to just bad. That's so, true. I mean, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of teams that sort of torched them for, what, 300-plus yards on a consistent basis. I mean, the Vikings managed to go two plays back-to-back, and it was a 70-yard and a 76-yard bomb to Diggs, both over the left side of the secondary. That's Just right. raw, rough. They needed they need help. Uh, so Grant Delpit, for me, is their next pick at the 21. And what you've got to remember as well, yep. if Delpit had been picked the year before, he would have been a top-five prospect. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I think his draft stock has fallen, but I think a team like the Eagles can really nurture a player like that. Yeah. So with the 22nd overall pick, I'm picking for the Vikings here, which I'm very happy about. There's not been any draft board shenanigans, regardless of what Tom says. Um, I've got the Vikings picking... LSU edge rusher, Caleb on chase on. Um, I think that he is the perfect guy to replace Everson Griffin on that line. That's if Griffin does decide to move away. He could still re-sign with the Vikings, but... Um, I think that chase on has all of the same traits and measurables that Nick Daniel Hunter, such a scary prospect, comes from the same school, go into the same team. I think that he is a developmental prospect, perhaps didn't have production that much in college, but I think a team that is so pressure-heavy like the Vikings will get the best out of Chase on. And I think that he's the perfect fit for what they was trying to do on defence. Yep. Uh, another likeable pick. Um and I think that the Vikings, yeah, definitely need to just keep that that as a position of strength, um, especially with Griffin moving away. Uh, 23 was a, a position that, uh, well, the Patriots are a team that I think need just as much help as the Jags uh, with much better coaching to help them. They have lost several key members of their offense. They are basically playing with sticks and stones at wide receiver. They don't have a tight end that I'd really consider elite. Their O-line suffered heavy uh, heavy injuries and couldn't keep Tom Brady afloat. And then they lose 
the greatest quarterback for sort of trophy winning of all time. So I've gone for an offensive tackle in Austin Jackson from the USC Trojans. And I just feel like at least having a good tackle to build around and and always being sure that whatever guy you get in, whether it be Stidham or Hoyer or uh, a new guy next year, will be of note. And especially now with the Bills uh, having a very tough D-line, the Jets getting CJ Mosley and, and Quinn and Williams and that helping their uh, their D-line as well. And, and the Dolphins really getting some some big help on, on D-line as well. I think that just getting another offensive lineman to just shore it up. Bill likes his sort of O-lineman. And uh, I think that that's where they go for the 23rd pick. Absolutely. I mean, to be frank with you, the, the bottom fell out of my world when I saw Tom pick this. I felt absolutely certain he was going to go quarterback because in my mind, that's the biggest position in the for the Patriots. But that meant that I was able to select Jordan Love uh, with the 24th overall pick for the Saints. I thought that Again, Jordan Love's another one of these guys. He's not going to start straight away. Uh, you'll have to groom him. So who better to sit in behind than Drew Brees? Um, I think as much as I hate them, I think the Saints are clever enough now to know that they need a succession plan while their guys in to avoid having to do what the Chargers did. Um, I think that Jordan Love represents a player that could be great in the future, or if not, they've They've, they've perhaps swung with tw- the 24th overall pick, but I don't think that anyone could be considered considering this pick of reach. Um, he's a developmental prospect. Trust Sean Payton to turn him into the next Steve Young. Yeah, makes makes total sense. I can't really say much more. Nice. Uh, with the 25th pick, again, another Vikings one. I've sort of stolen this one from Ed, but uh, Ed likes my suggestion. AJ Terrell cornerback from Clemson um, losing Zay, uh, Zay Rhodes isn't something that any Vikings fan will be happy about except for the mass regression that he actually suffered uh, so why not get a guy in to replace him and AJ Terrell just a, a very good coverage cornerback but he can also stuff the run I think I think it's a good shout yeah I was happy to see he was still on the board and I think it's a, an excellent pick probably one of the best players available, and certainly a position of need for us. But we're going into the season without a recognised CB1, so this guy can slip in and immediately take that role. Okay, at uh, 26th overall, the Dolphins are back on the clock. And I think, you know what, you've picked your franchise guy to pass, why not pick your franchise guy to catch them? So I think Denzel Mims, the uh, wide receiver out of Baylor. Um, I think that this is guy's a high upside guy. His game reminds me of C.D. Lamb in that he wins contested catches and is faster than people think. Um, my professional comparison actually was Stephon Diggs. Um, I think that he's just a scrappy player who's good in all facets of being a wide receiver. Maybe not elite, but certainly worthy of a, a late first round selection. I think teams like the Eagles would be mad to pass him up, but he falls down at 26 and he's, uh, he's taken off the board by the Dolphins.
Hail Mary Hits is a non-profit organisation on Facebook that is helping to further the culture of American football in the UK by contacting councils to get the sport into schools and by helping donate money to current teams so they can buy equipment and kits and anything that they might need. If you go onto their Facebook group, you can buy raffle tickets for £10 to win autographed jerseys and helmets. So get on it now. With the 27th pick, uh, the Seattle Seahawks desperately need help on their uh, on their D line. It's it's their biggest position of of weakness, and why not go with someone that is going to absolutely tear shit up? Ross Blacklock from Texas Christian. He is a huge defensive tackle. And I think that it's the best option for them. Um, ran a 4.9 on the 40. He just, he's a scary man, especially especially when you sort of factor in that the Seahawks don't really have a guy on that front line that can really rush. I think that Ross Blacklock gives them that option. And, uh, he's pressure. their guy. When you when you think about team the teams in the uh, in the NFC West, and you think about the fact that, you know, they, they've got the 49ers, they've got the Rams, and they've got the Cardinals. You think, well, getting as much pressure as you can on those QBs is the way to be all three. So, you know, a guy yeah. who can rush from the interior. Uh, pop quiz, Tom. Do you know what yeah. uh, Do you know what TCU, do you know what their animal is? I do not. They are the t- <laughs> TCU horned frogs. The what now? The, TCU, the horned frogs. The horned frogs. That's not me making that up. They, they are the horned frogs. What a what a dumb school. <laughs> I mean, that's what you get for calling your school Texas Christian. Yikes. Well, but Texas. If they're going to produce Texas. Ross Blacklock. <laughs> you don't have to make a summation point. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the twenty eighth overall pick, the Ravens select. Cesar Ruiz, the uh, the guard. I think that there's no surer pick in this whole draft class. That this guy's just going to come in day one, play his socks off. I think they've got weaknesses at guard. No Marshall Leander's retired, and potentially at centre with Matt Skura. I think that he could play either of those positions. I think he makes either of those positions stronger. The last thing we need is a Ravens team that can run even better. But I think with Ruiz there, they have the they have the ability to run exactly the same. I mean, Marshall Leander's. Probably going into the Hall of Fame. So obviously losing a Hall of Fame guard, not that great. I think Cesar Ruiz has the upside to be as good. Yeah, that, that, it's a pick that makes total sense for me, and it's a pick that makes me nervous for all 31 of the teams. With the 29th pick, the Tennessee Titans actually select Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Tight end. It's a bit of a tricky one, really, because the Titans, I don't think, had many flaws last year, and they've not lost many pieces. Um, and now that they've got a, a quarterback who seems to be happy to play the system, they've still got Derek Henry, obviously, because he's stayed. Uh, I think personally that getting a tight end in to replace Delaney Walker, for example, is big acquisition. And I think that Cole Komet offers them that option. I think he's a good blocker. I think he's got good pass catching skills. I think, I think he's just got an all round great motor. And uh, for a Titan, you need that. So. He is a Titan. He is a Titan. Um, 
what I would say is when they're able to play sort of two tight end sets with Cole Kmet and Johnny Smith and Eric Henry, that's a power set that you're not going to be able to withstand. It's just going to be, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of sort of power moves made by the Titans. And I think Cole Komet is just going to be another piece in that puzzle. So we're, I'll go we're for that. Staying on that theme, really, I think Tom, you accused this one of being a reach. Um, with the 30th pick, as much as I hate to do it, I do a pick for the teams that I hate. But for the Packers, I've selected wide receiver Chase Claypool. Um, now, Tom, you originally thought this was a reach, but I think this guy's brilliant. I think he's that wide receiver hybrid, wide receiver tight end hybrid that you're looking for in today's game. Very, very big. Wins contested catches, wins one on ones. Not a downfield burner but still a reliable pass catcher for a team that desperately needs one next to Devontae Adams. Um, also very, very solid in run blocking. I think that he is a winner, and I think he could even go higher than this in trick. I really, really like Chase Claypool. Nice, nice. Um, I've had to sort of listen to quite a lot of Ed's Chase Claypool uh, talk because he wants the, ti- uh, the Vikings to draft him in, in the second round and... I've not really seen any film of him, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I could see the I could see the Packers sort of needing a sort of tight end esque wide receiver. I think it definitely lends itself to Aaron Rodgers. Um, with the thirty first pick, Ed, you're probably not going to like what I'm about to do, um, but I'm about to go back on what I said for the Forty ers But I'm going to still stick that. with the guy that's still there. What do you mean? <laughs> This is uh, not in the so, programming. I don't know what to do. It, <laughs> you're going to know what to do in a second. Uh, with the 31st pick, the 49ers will take... Jonathan Taylor, running back. You um, nonce. <laughs> basically, I'm not a nonce. Shut up. So, basically, Ed made a very valid point to me, and it's been stewing on me basically the entire time of recording this that uh, Kyle Shanahan likes a fast elusive running back and that Jonathan Taylor is the better option to DeAndre Swift who I who I initially had going to the 49ers so I've made a change on that and because uh, the 49ers get to pick first I, I'm allowed to and Jonathan Taylor is now a niner suck it Chiefs <laughs> yeah he does for that offence I think that in term obviously they had great rushes there in most and Breeder I think that someone with a bit of durability like Jonathan Taylor, I think it will be a wonderful acquisition for whichever team that, whichever team picks him up. I mean, the the player comp I have for him is uh, Lev Bell. So that probably says something about how high a grade I have for Jonathan Taylor. In my opinion, he's the best running back in the draft. Um, so I'm disappointed not to select him for the Chiefs, but what I'll do instead is I'll uh, mess with Tom a little bit and not select DeAndre Swift. I'm going to go for running back Ooh. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the 32nd pick to the Chiefs. Um, wow. I think, okay. I think that the Chiefs should abandon the run game entirely. He's a third down back. Reminds me a lot of James White. I think that his ability to catch passes and uh, make runs to the outside is what the Chiefs have been lacking. And I think that with him in the side, the Chiefs' offense doesn't have a weakness. I think it's maybe the fastest team at every position if they have Clyde Edwards there. Nice, and uh, that is the 2020 Sulp 
mock draft 1.1 we're calling it because i made a slight adjustment but okay. yeah uh obviously most of this will probably get undermined by the lions taking denzel wims first or some shite but mm-hmm. you know especially that's what draft denzel day is Mims. all about so denzel wims that would be quite big. <laughs> also <laughs> sorry i've got it written down as yeah. <laughs> yeah boo fuck off goodell no one will um, do him at home yeah and it's been a pleasure to chat to you Imagine if someone what, moved doing in this in live stream. Pants. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that Bud Light Seltzer were going to send in videos of people booing? <laughs> no. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a hashtag if you want to join in. I might submit a submission to the to the to the thing from the from the Stiff Upper Lip Twitter account. And if you'd like to follow us on there, uh, give us a give us a give us a bit of a interaction. Why don't you? I'll be probably live tweeting the draft. Ed mm. will probably be not live tweeting, but I'll be, I'll be feeding back all of his responses. Cracking um, but ones. if you do want to follow us there, yeah, it's at Stiff Lip Pod. Uh, you can also look at us on Facebook. Don't know what you'd want to look at us on Facebook for, but you can follow us or whatever. And uh, we also have an Instagram called Stiff Upper Lip Pod. So those are all of our plugs. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. fuck off your melts. Over and out. <laughs>